Welcome everybody to the One to Go show. It is Puka once again joined by the Bert Lehman and the Ryan Aho. Well, America's officially 244 years old, so we want to say happy birthday, America. And we did miss last week to all of you north of the border, happy Canada Day. Uh, we did miss that, so we hope to be able to see you sometime this summer. It doesn't sound good, but uh, you know we hope to see all of our Canadian friends as soon as possible. All right, we had a lot going on this week. We had uh, World of Outlaw Late Models and World of Outlaw Sprint Cars at Cedar Lake. We had the Great Lakes Border Battle. We had the River City Rumble, but we also had some really big news coming out of South Carolina. Chris Madden, who, as many of you know, was teamed up with Scott Bloomquist, and that happened about a year ago. And, you know, Chris went on a tear. Once they teamed up, he got a second place in the Silver Dollar Nationals. He won the USA Nationals for 50000 He won the North Salt 100 for 50000 He won the Topless for 40000 He won the Extreme Dirt Car Point Series over this past winter. Well, last Tuesday on June 30th, they parted ways. Someone said it was mutual. We don't know. If you read some of the article, there was the word economics involved. So maybe he was fired. Uh, we just don't know. But we wanted to touch on this subject. So, Bert uh, Lehman, why don't we start with you tonight? What are your thoughts on the separation of, you know, Chris Madden from SBR Racing? I mean, as you stated, uh, you know, we don't know exactly what happened. Uh, the interesting thing about the split is that, uh, you know, because Dryden sponsored, you know, Bloomquist cars, and uh, the interesting thing is, obviously, Dryden is staying with Bloomquist, but they're also going. This was announced actually before uh, Madden had a ride that Dryden would also sponsor Madden whenever he resumed racing. So I thought that was rather interesting that, you know, the main sponsor is sponsoring the driver that left. So, um, you know, I, I don't think it could be economics from the main sponsor standpoint because, you know, they're still putting money into two different drivers. So uh, I, I think there's something else involved besides uh, economics with sponsors you you think there's drama there what what, what, what <laughs> no, no way <laughs> you know you know here's the deal um madden was the pri he's the primary with that dryden deal madden's the primary it's not oh, he is Ooh, madden's the primary yeah ah. bloomquist and ricky also get a good sponsorship but madden was the primary number one car he was the primary driver in that deal and uh I talked to a couple people once that announcement happened. One of them is a fellow driver of theirs, may or may not build some chassis. I won't mention any names. He's not, I won't say what state he's from, might be next to Minnesota. But uh, he did mention <laughs> this, you know, and, and let's, let's be honest, this guy's not really tight with Bloomquist, but he says, you know, some drivers just maybe don't have a ton of knowledge, and as soon as they start losing, they jump ship. And that's what it looks like to me. I mean, Ever since this droop rule come in, the, the Team Zero cars have been garbage. I mean, Ricky's been okay. He's been the best of them. But they just haven't been very good. Rockets are really dominating right now in the national scene. And I think he got frustrated. And it's mass chaos down there. So he got frustrated. He jumped ship. He was looking for a different, different ride. But it's also mass chaos in the Bloomquist shop, right? I mean, Let's, let's be honest. He's one of the best ever to strap into a late model. The guy's incredibly knowledgeable, right? But that guy's got a lot of problems. I mean, he's, he's got some issues. And a lot of people think he's got a lot of money rolling in. That, that guy, with all the problems he has, money goes out faster than it comes in. So I think there was a lot of turmoil there. Um, both of them are type A. 
you know, they're going to do the politically correct thing because they understand the finances with sponsorship dollars and all that. But I'll let's just say that Chris Madden was not happy, but I can assure you he's going to be a lot happier now. Well, and, you know, speaking of jumping ship, I mean, you, you have to remember how Madden got in that car in the first place. Um, I mean, he he was driving for somebody else last year and left Rooting that team. Yep, left that team, dropped off the World of Outlaw Tour. And, uh, you know, so, yeah, maybe there is something to that. Yeah, and, you know, he to think that with that kind of success in that short amount of time, it was just incredible, you know. And then a month ago, he's on the pole for the stream and the car won't start, you know. So if he wins that just a month ago, the whole deck is reshuffled. He, he know, wasn't going to win that. It just wasn't going to happen. Um, even if he had started pole, he was going to back up. I'm telling you, ever since they announced that droop roll, Team Zero's really been off the pace. They have not – something Rocket has figured out with how to build traction without not hiking so high, whatever they have going on, their cars are working 100 times better, and and it's mass chaos. Bloomquist, they can't even get a car put out of the shop. Like, it's absolute just chaos down there. So they have been off the game. You know, if anybody can figure it out, it's going to be Scott Bloomquist. The guy's incredibly smart. He's, I mean, he's one of the best ever, but right now they're just, they're struggling. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's for sure. I mean, you could see that. And I, yeah, I, I don't know where this all goes, you know, Scott in this whole, yeah, there's, there's always something following him, you know, and, and, and just, yeah, it just seems crazy. Now, as far as Chris Madden goes, he did find a home, Ryan. Yeah. He's driving for, uh, what is it? Tyler Millwood. He is Millwood Motorsports. And uh, he's going to follow, looks to me, like the Southern Nationals Tour. Um, so, again, off the World of Outlaw Tour. He's no longer following that. He'll probably be up at, you know, some of the marquee events possibly. I, I haven't heard if he's coming to the USA Nationals. I would assume he'd probably come up there. But uh, he's going to follow that Southern Nationals Tour. And, you know, uh, I don't know. Do you know much about Tyler Millwood? I don't. Or Bert, have you? Do you know much? I, I don't know much about him either. You, you know, the little bit I read. You know, he's a young guy. He's twenty nine years old. He's been. He did. He's been racing since he was seven years old. He did some great stuff. He's done some super stuff the last few years. It sounds like he already had a um, a car that Madden had kind of modified for him when he was running with Bruning last year. He was what, what uh, chassis is uh, Lanigan running? He got. He doesn't have a Longhorn. Lanigan, uh, Barry Wright. Barry Wright, yeah, he had so that's what Madden was running previously. So he had a Barry Wright there. So it sounds like they have a relationship, you know, a little bit. But he's a young guy. He hasn't had a ton of success, but he's based out of Georgia. So yeah, he's going to hit the circuit with that young man, and we'll see what happens there. Um, so now we just kind of want to put on our thinking cap. So there's an empty car sitting in the Scott Boomkus racing stable. So now we want to see kind of what the fellas are thinking. You know, who might possibly fill that role? Bert, why don't we start with you and uh, see what your thoughts are? If I was Team Bloomquist, I would put nobody in that car. I think they need to concentrate on Scott performing on the track and getting back to the level that um, his fans expect him to be at and that he expects himself to be at. Um, you know, I'm not saying that having two cars uh, is the reason for uh, why he struggled a little bit, although he's been performing better the last few weeks. Uh, but, I mean, it's just a lot more work to make sure to, 
to prepare two cars every week. And I mean, it's not preparing two cars. You have to have a backup car. So, I mean, actually you're preparing four cars, you know, that have to be ready to race. So if I was him, I would just leave it vacant. I mean, if you want to put some, a driver in there for a big special fine, but for the most part, I would just leave it vacant. Ryan, well, go ahead. Sorry for the interruption. Puka, you jumped the cushion back there, I see, kind of crashing and <laughs> jumping a, over tires. And I don't know what you got going on. Here like, somewhere. <laughs> yeah, I mean, hey, don't don't worry about us. We'll, we'll just do the show here. You just do your own thing back there. there she's um, over there. Hey, somewhere. I'm going to actually let you take this one. Um, oh, okay. Who do you think, you know, is going to maybe jump into that? Well, I, I think it's a long shot, but this is a guy that I think, because, you know, you've got, you know, Scott's 56, so you got this veteran's one a lot. And then you go all the way to the other spectrum, You and you've got um, – uh, oh, gosh. He's right here. <laughs> Dale McDowell, you know, so closer to closer to Scott's age. And then you have Ricky that's in his early 20s, you know. So, you know, I, I think ultimately a guy, because Madden was, what, 44, 45 years old. So I think you want to get somebody around that 40 years of age. And I'm going to bring up a guy that we need to, we need to pull out of retirement, the protege, and that's Randy Smith. You know, a guy that had a lot of success with Bloomquist cars for about a half dozen years. I think he got into them about 08 or so. And, you know, so, you know, I, I just think he's got, like I said, it's kind of an age thing because like you said, Ryan, Ricky has been struggling over the last few weeks, but he's been by far the best out of the Bloomquist cars. So is it driving style, you know, or what is it? And then you've got, like I said, Madden and or a Brady Smith are kind of in that 40-ish age. And like I said, you got Scott at 56. So that would be my pick, I don't know if it's going to happen. Probably not. But I think a phone call should be made up to Wisconsin to see if we can get uh, Brady back on the track. Well, first of all, Brady's back in – I think he's in Minnesota. Unless he moved back to Wisconsin, he was actually – he decided he was going to be a Vikings fan, moved to Minnesota, so kind of <laughs> proud of him for that. Um, but, yeah, he was living over by St. Cloud. Um, and Ricky Weiss, uh, man, I think you – I think you're realizing we're not – I think you're trying to pretend like we're a little younger than we are, right? Uh, Ricky's actually in his early 30s. Oh, I thought he was in his 20s. No, he's got five Wissota National Championships. Already. He's been racing a lot longer than a lot of people think, but he's been, all, you know, not in our area. But uh, I, I'm with Bert. 100% absolutely, totally agree with Bert. Nobody should touch that ride with a 10-foot pole. There, I mean, that it's chaos down there. Now, let's be honest. I mean, Bloomquist, everybody thinks the guy's got all this money and all. He ain't got no money. He, I mean, so that ride that he had, so to speak, was basically, I'm guessing a big chunk of that was from sponsorships and so on. But he doesn't have a lot of funding behind him. He's got some good sponsors, some good relationships he built. But the fact is, the money's just not there. Like I said, he spends it faster than it comes in. So I don't think anybody's going to jump in. And I've seen some names thrown around and, I got to be honest, if I was one of them drivers and they look at the way they're performing, why would somebody want that ride right now? I, I just don't think it would make much sense. Well, you got to be kidding. Oh, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, did you guys see the big rumors that were flying around when it was announced that Madden was leaving that uh, Kyle Larson is going to Team Zero? <laughs> yeah, I saw the picture. Some people did some nice Photoshop there. You know, and you know, I, I believe Kyle Larson mentioned – that there was a possibility of maybe him running a little bit in a Bloomquist car long, you know, I think the middle of the winter, we kind of saw a little bit there. So you never know, you know, that would be really smart on Bloomquist part to put him in the car for a couple big events because man, he'd sell some freaking t-shirts if nothing else. 
That's and for some sure. die cast. Yeah, and some die cast. You don't know anybody to buy one of them, do you? Yeah, well, I pre-ordered a Madden die cast, so we'll, so cool. I'm assuming they're still going to release it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I, I just got to wonder if Bloomquist regrets a little bit, too. Like I said, you know, you know, we have proof, you know, uh, uh, at the stream, uh, you know, Bishop said, you know, we've, we've been testing, we've been testing. You didn't hear anything from any of the Team Zero cars that during that whole COVID break that they were testing. And obviously th- those cars were the cars that needed to test the most. You know, they're, like you said, Ryan, they, they are the ones struggling with the droop rule more than anybody. And for whatever reason, we just didn't hear anything about any testing. And, and now it's coming back to haunt them just a little bit. All right, fellas, nice job on Chris Madden here. We'll move on to this weekend's racing. And we'll start off with uh, MTS, the, the River, River City Rumble. So, Ryan, you want to kick us off on kind of your thoughts on the Thursday, Friday, Saturday shows that we saw down there? Well, who's the guy that we called out in the late models here, uh, whether it was a week ago, a couple weeks ago, John Canta. We said, you know, what's he doing? He's struggling. Bam, John Canta wins. Again, um, Anthony Canta, if you're watching the show, I expect a check in the mail. I will forward you my address. I split that between these guys. But uh, great to see John Canta, 63 years young. He's still got it, Mr. Smooth. Um, another guy, one, one thing that was a surprise to me, Ryan Unziker. I mean, he was fun to watch down at uh, Gateway, fun to see him show up to that race. He ran very well. Dustin Sorensen got another win down there. Um, I want to give a really quick shout-out, Ryan Olson, USRA B-Mods, three in a row for flying Ryan down there. He won both nights in the USRA B-Mods. The track... Hard to beat the sun, hard to beat the wind. It wasn't all that great. It was good early on. Heck, Lance Matthews looked like he was going to have a oh, shot there for a little yes. while. Bam, rubber. And, uh, and it's, it's one of those deals. you got to get a lot of moisture in the track. I would not want to be a track prep guy, but 40-lap feature, I believe it was. And, you know, I think the second half of them, the races weren't all that spectacular. So, um, but ha- I guess my biggest shout-out, John Canta, and uh, he, he's absolutely one of my – favorite uh, late model drivers in the area love seeing him win first i'll turn it to you yeah i mean uh the feature on thursday night late model feature on thursday night i mean the first 20 laps were unbelievable i was watching i mean at there were portions where uh they were racing three wide for the lead within the first 20 laps uh between canta troy springborn and taylor scheffler uh but then that caution came out about lap 20 and while Matthews was on the move, move and I even sent sent out a text to you guys, and I said, Matthews is going to win this thing because he was flying, and I thought on the caution that he would get the lead. And, yeah, boom, the track rubbered up, and Lance, uh, Lance went backwards. He, he actually finished 10th after starting 9th, but he was up to 3rd at one point early on in the race. Uh, but some things uh, from the Thursday night – uh, Ron Berna, who's an Eastern Wisconsin driver who follows the series in hot laps, his car, were, it looked like it went up in smoke. I mean, there was just smoke pouring all out of it. And uh, so I thought maybe he blew a motor, but he was back out there racing. And he actually started 21st in the feature and finished fourth on Thursday night. And then the next night, uh, he started 12th and finished sixth. So he had a very good two-night show after what looked like could have been a disaster in hot laps on the first night um and this is really the first time that you know I did what I watched both shows and this was a really the first time I got to see Jake Tim race and that guy is a talent I mean modified late model um he 
you know, he's not afraid to drive it high. He's not afraid to drive it low. He's not afraid to put it in a four inch space when there's, you know, when a car's five inches wide, you know, four man's Bobby Pierce. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, you know, uh, but I think, uh, you know, and I also want to give mention to Brett Swedberg. I talked about him last week because he uh, won the feature at Shano Speedway. And in Friday night's feature, he started 17th and finished fifth. So uh, I think he should be leading in points. If not leading, he'll only be a few points behind. But I think the series is going to come since Nick Avalink uh, didn't race there. He went to Cedar Lake instead. Uh, so there will be a new champion in the Dirt King series this year. I think it's going to come down to Swedberg and Justin Ritchie vying for the top spot. So uh, overall, I thought it was a very good racing. Uh, they you could tell that they prepared the track differently for Friday night. There's definitely more moisture in the track. So, you know, it's good to see tracks trying to improve on things rather than just, okay, this is, we're just going to do it this way. We can't beat the sun. No, you know, they tried and, you know, and it worked for the most part. Yeah. My observations are, you know, I was really happy again, like Ryan said, John Canta with the win, Uh, you know, just having, you know, we've seen it twice now with with Zoda cars winning and I think that's really great for Wisconsin and the late models. I think it's really great for the Dirt King series. I think it's a little bit of a threat, and we've talked about this in previous shows, to Wazoda because these guys are now able to compete, you know, other than the Challenge Series for some big money races. And I guess, you know, uh, you know, maybe this is going to spur some change over the winter as, you know, Wazoda's going to kind of have to look at that rule book just a little bit. Uh, again, you know, and I concur with, with uh, um, Bert here, you know, the, the track got a little bit tough there. Uh, but Eisenberg seemed to have a good run. You know, he made it up to second there the first night. Uh, Dustin Sorensen, he's another young guy that looked really good. He was really impressive. And uh, another guy that impressed me was the Dirt Kings announcer. You know, I don't know if you know him, Bert, but I enjoyed his commentary. I thought he did a really good job. Yeah, Matt, Matt Panier, uh, he's the announcer at Wisconsin International Raceway in Kakana Asphalt Track. Uh, and he is also... Uh, I think he owns the series, but he's uh, he runs the Tundra Late Model Series for Asphalt Super Late Models. Yeah, I agree. Uh, he did a great job announcing. I watched both them uh, both them nights too. I didn't watch all the heats, but I watched the features. He did a great job. Made the show of the show. Really quick story about Lance Matthews. I mean, let's face it. We we both we've all seen a lot of late model racing, and when it takes rubber, nobody passes anybody, right? He went backwards a whole pile of spots when the rubber came out. Well, what does that tell you? Maybe he can't see very good. He's a little older. <laughs> well, I don't know if you guys remember, Lance had big, thick Coke yeah. bottle glasses. Remember that years ago, Puka? Yeah, oh, well, yeah. We used to call them yeah. Coke bottles. <laughs> well, I was at the Fox Ridge Speedway. Now, I think he has surgery and all that, but clearly he can't see very good still because he was driving out of the rubber going backwards. Makes no sense. But I remember I raced against him in a late model at Fox Ridge, and I was running good. I was running like third, fourth, somewhere in that neighborhood, and I broke. And I was sitting on the top of one and two. I felt like I sat there forever. Yellow light was out. Matthews drives right over me. Bam! Just drills me. And in the pay window, he's up there visiting with Kreiderman and a couple of them. And I'm like, dude, what the hell were you doing? Like, I was broke. Like, I couldn't have – like, I already broke stuff. I couldn't afford to break more stuff. And I was like, man, I'm like, what the heck are you doing? Literally, he goes, here, you try looking through them. <laughs> and I'm like, I got nothing. I got nothing. So <laughs> that's my Lance Matthews story. I, w- I was hoping to see him run good. He's a good dude. A lot of fun to be around. So, Puka, I'll turn it back to you. All right. Well, let's move on to Cedar Lake, where we saw the World of Outlaw Late Models and the World of Outlaw Sprint Cars competing. 
Uh, Ryan, I know, I know we all caught this, Ryan. I know you had some strong opinions about some of the stuff that went on there. So why don't we uh, start with you? Well, first of all, I'll start, you know, off topic of racing is the COVID scammer. I mean, scanner, whatever you want to call it, right? <laughs> they, they had this whole song and dance, smoke and mirrors. Hey, we got this state-of-the-art COVID scanner deal. And honestly, as a promoter, I'm like, oh, man, this could suck. Like, literally, I mean, there's going to be thousands of people. What if a bunch of them test positive? How's this whole deal work? Well, my buddy Jeff, my buddy Keith, my buddy Pete, Carl, they, were, they all went down there. The Erickson Niska family, they went down there to watch races and brought their girls. And Jeff actually gets a hold of me. He says, this deal's a joke. He goes, like, they ain't checking nothing. They ain't nobody checking nothing. Literally, people would walk through, and they were just scanning people's temperature. And if they – had a temperature, they had to go through the scanner and they gave you a sheet of paper. They didn't check anybody for anything. It looked like a metal detector. It was all smoke and mirrors. In fact, um, they stood off to the side and they were listening as people came in and they said, all right, make sure they're standing in the shade before you scan them. Make sure you keep the, the temperature gun <laughs> out of the sun. I mean, like literally they were doing everything they could to just make sure nobody was getting sent home. So that deal was just a joke, which I'm grateful to see because if it would have if it would have actually been a legit deal, that could have been really ugly for a lot of racetracks. Now, uh, talk about we talk about heroes and zeros. Ashton Winger, what, was it a week ago only that yeah. you know, he got his notoriety okay. for throwing a fit and yelling at the official? And then all of a sudden he's a hero because he put on one hell of a show. B-Chef, I think it was B-Chef got second in that race, right? And uh, yeah, yes. actually heavy pressured him, got by him once. He got back by him. I mean, he was aggressive. So that was really cool to see another first-time winner, I believe, in the world of Outlaws, a rookie. Great to see him win. Bishop is still the class of the field. I mean, he was absolutely bolted. Um, but my whole my whole thought process of this is, and we'll talk about Ricky Weiss after this. Okay, we'll get back to that in a second. Is I was concerned. Okay, you got right down the road. You got Mississippi Thunder, five grand to win, five hundred to start. You got twenty grand to win, a thousand to start at Cedar Lake World of Outlaw Race, and I, I kept thinking, I'm like, well, now why would somebody like Pat Doerr, um, Jeffrey Massengill, Hannah Steads, why on earth would they go to Cedar Lake? Why? Like why? Why would they even do that? Why wouldn't they drive the extra hour and a half, go down to where they have a legitimate shot? All them guys that I just mentioned had a legitimate shot. Giassi already won down there, right? Why would they not go race for five grand? Every single one of them guys were lapped before the halfway mark both nights. I'm mean, like, ridiculous. Why, why waste your time? Now, if there's nothing else going on, or if the next closest track is 800 to win or 1,000 to win, all right, yeah, I get it. It's 1,000 to start, 1,000 to win, definitely go to Cedar Lake. But when it's five grand to win at Mississippi Thunder, and, like, you know you're going to get a check for 1,000 bucks, and you got to buy different tires, and you got to – just stupid. I mean, it just absolutely makes no common sense. It just frustrated me even seeing them guys because some of them guys are phenomenal race car drivers and they're running around lap traffic. It's like, what are you guys doing? You know, what's the point? So that really frustrated me. I mean, maybe next week I got an idea, right? Maybe next week the super stocks are going to run with the late models. I mean, <laughs> well, why let me, not? Let, I mean, let it, me push back on that a little bit. I mean, why not, right? You know, <laughs> let, let, me, so, let me push back on that just a little bit, though. Like a guy like, I mean, not everyone, I agree like a Giassi, but you know, if you take like Pat Door, for instance, I don't know for sure, but I've heard he lives about five miles from the track, you know, and he's a guy that's probably going to run the world of outlaws when they come up here through the swing. So he's going to buy some tires anyway. 
you know, obviously it's his home track. He's competitive there. He's probably in the top five on the win list, you know, overall, you know, career wins. So I could see him, you know, he's got success there. And even Demel, a guy who's won there, a guy who's won a Lucas oil race, you know, he's probably, again, he's probably going to run the circuit when they come around here buy the tires. He can reuse them, you know, cause I, I actually looked at, at door, his winnings for the weekend were 2,600 Demo's winnings for the weekend were 2,700. Um, even our buddy Kaylee Emerson, made the feature on Saturday, bagged a thousand bucks, but some of those other guys. Yeah. And the other thing is they, I'm sure they listen to the show. They're loyal listeners and they kind of knew the car counts were going to be a little bit low. So obviously that increased their odds of making the show. 2,600 bucks. You telling me, you telling me that Pat Doerr and, and AJ Demo wouldn't have finished up in the top eight at Mississippi Thunder. Both of them would have for sure. Yeah. Well, yeah. They would have made more money, and and let's let's face it. Sometimes it's not about the money because they knew they weren't winning twenty grand. That was not <laughs> going to happen. Okay, they that was that was out of the equation. Heck, they weren't. They knew they weren't going to finish in the top five, so they knew at best they're going to get fifteen grand, eighteen hundred, some for fifteen hundred or eighteen hundred at best. Right, that's what they knew. So they knew that. Now the tires deal. It's not like they run them tires and say, like, hey, we got more shows. They run them tires one night, they throw them away, they put new ones on. <laughs> okay. Oh, they're that so, bad too. I thought they oh, were better it, than it was. It doesn't matter where you race. Oh, okay. Th- when you're when you're running for that kind of money, I don't care if it's a Wasota race, Dirt Kings race, or a Vault Law race. If you strap new rubber on, it just is what it is. So that's that's out of the equation, I guess. But the fact of the matter is, these guys are winners. I mean, going there knowing, hey, I'm gonna get the consolation prize. Hey, I, I made the show. I got to run around the back. I got to see some World Vault Law guys. Oh, cool, right? Really? Stop it. Come on. Ridiculous. All right, Bert, your thoughts on the weekend? Well, I'm just curious how Ryan really feels about it. Um, (laughs) Hey, Ryan, big crowds. You always said you went to Cedar Lake for the big crowds, big crowds. (laughs) I mean, you know, I always say it's the drivers spending the money on their cars. They can race, you know, they can do what they want. They can race where they want. Uh, But, yeah, I mean, I agree with Ryan. I mean, if you were – if you were looking at the economics of things, um, you would go to you would have went to Mississippi Thunder because you would have had a legit chance of winning, and chances are you would have made more. I mean, you know, I take Nick Evling for example. You know, I was really surprised when I read that he was going to Cedar Lake. Um, I mean, if he doesn't want to run for the Dirt Kings Championship, that's one thing. But you're giving up two nights at possibly winning five grand where you know you have a legit chance to win five grand and it's, it was 500 to start. And, uh, you know, and I, you know, you know that he's going to qualify for the feature. So, I mean, he's almost guaranteed a thousand dollars just if he goes to Mississippi Thunder and doesn't have any problems. Uh, Thursday night, he got $200 at Cedar Lake. He didn't qualify Friday night. Uh, and then he qualified and got a thousand dollars on Saturday night. So $1,200. I don't know what, how much it paid for not qualifying on Thursday. I mean, not, not a lot, I'm sure. Um, so, you know, he got $1,200 where, you know, if he would have went to Mississippi Thunder, he probably would have had more. I mean, I and, haven't and talked point to money. him. And point money at the right. end. Right, right. And, I mean, I haven't talked to him. I'm sure he has his reasons for going to Cedar Lake, and, you know, you know that's his prerogative. Um, so, you know, drivers are drivers, as Ryan would say. <laughs> <laughs> Pul- All right. I got a couple more things about Puka. What, 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 what did you get out of that? You watched obviously both them races. What, what was your thoughts? 
Yeah, I just, I, you know, I, again, the track just seems different. You know, rough again. You know, rough on the on the bottom again. Um, you know, they, it looks like they must have done a lot of farming. You know, Ashton was kind of all over the track. You know, he, he had some, he wasn't scraping the wall, but he looked a little Bobby Pierce-ish. You know, he was muscling the car, it seemed like sometimes. But I agree, you know, B-Shep looked fantastic again. Um, but, yeah, the biggest thing was the track. You know, I, like I said, it just, it just doesn't seem – you know, you got no, no cushion again, you know, no cushion sitting up there. I just don't know what it is. Now with, like I said, when I was there for the masters, I seemed to have seen more of a red tint. The track looked really dark and not as dark as what Mississippi thunder looked, but the track looked really dark. But um, you know, all I saw was kind of the backstretch crowd crowd looked pretty good. All the parking spots and three and four, three and four looked, you know, pretty full. They have, you know, two levels there now. So I'm assuming it was a pretty successful weekend getting back to the COVID scanner thing. Now, I know that some of the sponsors were a little bit worried about having this live event, so it doesn't surprise me that they brought them in as a, you know, cover your ass kind of thing, and and then knowing what you told us, Ryan, there's like, just get in there, you know, because I know some of the sponsors, you know, you don't want to, you don't want someone to get mad on social media, like, hey, look at what, you know, Morton Building's doing, you know, they want to have this live event, and get all these people together in Wisconsin, what are they thinking, you know, and then, you know, your name gets trashed, so, um, so that, that, that part didn't surprise me that they at least you know, wanted to, you know, set up some sort of precaution just to cover their asses. Well, I think the track having a little attitude probably saved it because they, they kept that track pretty hard and, and that place gets really dirty and it gets kind of marbly. So if the track wouldn't have had some attitude, it might've been not very good racing. I think that place, when it gets hard, you have to have a really long race, like the, the hundred lapper type deal. So I, I think that the racing was pretty darn good. The crowd, from what I understand, was much better on Friday than it was on Saturday, oh, which is interesting. Um, a lot of people, the 4th of July, a lot of people went to the lake, whatever they were doing, but the crowd was better Friday, um, as per my friends that were there. Um, one thing I talked to my buddy Jeff about is he brought his daughter, first time ever to a race, first time ever. Guys, two and a half hour show, Friday night, two and a half hour start from the national anthem to him getting in his vehicle to leave actually just under two and a half hours and he's like man he goes that was fantastic he goes we we had time to visit a little bit head out and there was still an hour to swim in the pool when they got back to the hotel and let's face it when it's your first time to the racetrack if you're there for five six hours that ain't gonna fly so a two and a half hour program with full with good entertainment i talked to the whole group they said they had a great time down there um just absolutely awesome but the crowd was a little bit light on saturday as compared of course to friday night but uh guys talking about team zero how about ricky weiss thursday night right <laughs> he wins mad man. and he gets disqualified for deck height. disqualified right now he didn't get docked so i don't know how high it was but he had a rubber snubber and what that is is when the car hikes up on the left rear they got like a chain okay so you guys, so so you guys understand this as viewers and yourself. When the car pulls up, they put like a rubber snubber there, so that way it's not a, a solid blow. It kind of has a little cushion, right? Well, that snubber busted, and when that snubber broke, now all of a sudden you got that much more travel. So now the car's hiked up, and look how fast he was. He won, right? So it definitely was an advantage. But that just brings me back to you know I, I listened to an interview. Ricky talked about how stupid that rule is in the first place. Lucas Oil don't have it. Most places don't have it. It's not like the racing was bad last year. Right. Is this another Mark Richards, like, oh. 
we want a distinct advantage through everybody else because this came from kind of that area and they got things rolling. So, you know, like Ricky said, it's glad that he lost that race for three grand rather than something like that happening for a hundred grand to win. But that, that rule is absolutely stupid. Nobody likes it except for Brandon Shepard. They just get rid of the dumb thing and let them go race. It's an open late model. Why are they having these stupid nitpicky rules? Absolutely makes no sense. It's an open late model, open suspension. You can do what you want. Now you're going to limit the hike up? Come on, stupid. Yeah, I agree. Bert, I know you're, you're trying to chime in here. Yeah, I was just going to say a few things. Uh, I did record because Saturday night's race was on uh, CBS Sports on, on cable or satellite. Um, and I did record it and I watched it. And yeah, I noticed there were, there were several open sections in the uh, backstretch uh, grandstands. So, uh, you know, it definitely wasn't as large of a crowd as the USA Nationals is, you know, because, you know, that's jam packed. Um, but I wanted to make a few comments about the, the live uh, portion on CBS Sports. And that's where I think dirt late model racing is going to have a bit of a problem falling being good for tv because you you have to fit into the features had to be from had to be after eight o'clock but they had to be you know not far from eight o'clock so you know you're running a program and you have you have in the back of your mind okay we got to hurry along or we got to slow this out a little bit so we so we fit in this window to be on live tv if the tv uh, networks are going to be that stringent on on the coverage now if they do like mav tv did earlier in this year and they just they rip, they show all the heats and show everything then then it's great but when when the show is f- forced to be when the features are forced to be in a window you know it it can wreak havoc and then you know i was watching the coverage and then they had all these these uh fluff pieces on drivers and stuff and it's just like Let's just get to the racing. I want to see the racing. So We're trying to build the characters. Um, you know, I mean, I I don't want to talk bad about coverage because any coverage is good coverage. But you know, you, you can see the limitations. And I did read an article. I think it was the World of Outlaws. They were supposed to be live somewhere else, but they had to cancel it uh, because there was weather in the area, and they couldn't guarantee that they were going to fit into that window. I can't yeah, that remember. That was last weekend. That was last weekend for okay. the firecracker. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, there are limitations when you're forced into a, you know, a narrow window that you have to be in. I guess we got to get them in a dome, right? That's where the dome comes <laughs> in. You ain't got to fight with weather at the dome. <laughs> That's right. Exactly. So, well, yeah, just to wrap up on Cedar Lake, uh, one thing that Ricky did say in the interview, he said, yeah, he said we lost $3,000 for like a $5 part. And uh, that was interesting to hear. And uh, on the sprint car side, I just want to mention that Brad Sweet swept the weekend Thursday, Friday, Saturday. All right. And then the final race we were tracking this weekend was the Great Lakes border battle up at Godnick Law Speed Weapon Spear, Wisconsin. I did not catch it. Ryan, I know you probably watched every lap. Can you kind of give us a rundown? I'm interested to hear what happened. Yeah, I caught it on Dirt Race Central. I watched uh, all the, I watched most of the features all three nights and uh, modifieds, you know, Johnny Broking made it three in a row, right? He won Thursday night. He looked really good Thursday night, but there was a lot of really good modifieds there, guys. I mean, it was a stout, stout field. He wasn't quite as good the next couple nights. Daryl Nelson, the Hermantown Hammer, he got her done on night two. And Shane Sabraski, weird, right? The guys won something every single weekend all year long. Guys, 
if you get a chance to just jump on and watch him, it is, it's like artwork. I mean, right now he is the cream of the crop. I mean, just watching, watching him track the leader and pass him. I mean, he was stout. Another shout out in the mods. We talked about him last week, first time winner, Brandon Cop. Started seventh on the third night and uh, drove by Belfi, drove by some guys. He got second, man. He looked really good. So, Keep an eye on him. That cop name, that pedigree, he's going to win some races. Superstocks, Sobraski, Sobraski, Sobraski. He won the first two, made him look stupid. But Kevin Burdick, your defending champ, he come to town, and he, he, ran, he ran pretty well all weekend. But here's the deal. The third night, him and Sobraski had an epic battle. Uh, I think it was a 25-lap feature. Guys, they were side-by-side, side, lap after lap after lap. And Burdick was rolling the top, and Sabraski was stocking him. Well, then Sabraski put on just enough pressure that Burdick starts changing his line around. He's, like, going to the middle of the block and going low, and he's moving around because he knows, like, wait a second, Sabraski's making some runs on me. I need to make something happen. Drives right into the middle of one and two. Sabraski did not anticipate it. Contact was made. Burdick goes around. Sabraski to the back. Otherwise, Shane had won, I believe, five in a row and six out of the last eight there. And I was actually talking to people. It's like, we should put a bounty on this. If he wins tonight, let's put a bounty on this guy. Because, I mean, it's like, I mean, he's virtually unbeatable. And uh, there was some contact again. You know, Burdick, you know, kind of a little bit of blocking. He's my buddy. I love you, Kevin, if you're watching. But the fact is, he was blocking. And uh, Dexton Cook came from deep. Looked like he was going to maybe get by. And Burdick kind of come down, ripped the nose piece off. And Burdick went on to win. So, you know, it's ruffling a few feathers out there, but Burdick got her done. But overall, uh, really good racing. Crowd was light. The crowd was not all that terribly great any of the three nights. Um, I believe Friday night was probably the better of the three, but, you know, they had a really good pit turnout, good car count, good racing. The track was phenomenal. Um, they did a really good job at the Gondek Law Speedway, but we were kind of concerned about that, remember? They ran five out of ten nights. Plus, you had the World of Outlaws. You had Mississippi Thunder. You had the stuff you could watch online. And uh, hopefully they made enough money to make it a profitable event because when they have events like that, it's so good for racing when they're racing for money. But uh, the crowd was pretty light. But um, overall, a pretty good program there. And uh, FYE Motorsports did a good job putting it on. Well, yeah, that uh, that show was too but, but three, four years was 10,000 to win, right? Okay, you're a man of few words. You're muted out there. I think <laughs> I, I think it up? No, you weren't muted. You were cutting out there. We're picking on oh, you. Go okay. ahead. Uh, <laughs> I was going to say that, that fir the first couple of years of that Great Lakes border battle was 10,000 to win, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it was 10 grand to win for mods. It was kind of a heat one day feature of the next type deal. And uh, then they just changed it up because they realized they weren't getting 75, 80 cars. So let's just reduce the person they're getting basically the same car phone same quality of show all right well uh, we're gonna move on here to the uh last lap where we have one to go all right ryan you're gonna kick us off here uh, grand rapids finally gonna get some racing in this week finally the Donnelly ford grand rapids speedway opening up thursday night right we got uh uh, modifieds, super stocks, Midwest mods, Northern Renegades, non-wing sprint cars, pier stocks, and Hornets. Excited to get racing underway, plus an enduro on Friday. So, knock on wood here, right, that uh, Mother Nature is nice to us because 
They've been working their tail off. Everything's just about ready to go. So they're ready to go green flag racing in Grand Rapids, Minnesota. All right, Bert, uh, World of Outlaw Lay Models paying a visit in your direction. Yes, uh, they will be at uh, Outagamie Speedway in Seymour, Wisconsin on Friday night. And then they'll be at uh, Plymouth Dirt Track in Plymouth, Wisconsin, which is by Sheboygan on Saturday night. Uh, my plan is uh, I plan on going to Seymour on Friday night. So uh, it'll be good to see uh, the World of Outlaws. And I'm sure uh, several of the local drivers will will uh, give it a crack. Um, you know, Seymour is a smaller track than what Shano is. You know, uh, the last 10 years, Outlaws have made a trip to Shano Speedway. They won't be this year, but, uh, you know, that Shano's a half mile. So I'm, I'm sure the drivers will be happy to compete against the Outlaws on a smaller track at Seymour in Plymouth. Ryan, the return of the Rumble. The Rumble. And this is Wissota Late Model's biggest event, right? Uh, Terry Bolts years ago when he was a promoter out at the Brown County Speedway had the, I think it was called the Dakota Rumble, wasn't it? It was sponsored by Dakota Bank, 10 grand to win. I believe it's a thousand to start a fan. They have a fan bonus, which I kind of stole from him for a couple things I did. I think it's a great deal. Um, and I, I, I know he's buddies with Kreiderman. I always remember Kreiderman going out there and winning. But I'm really, 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 really hoping that a bunch of the Minnesota and Wisconsin late models travel west. I mean, guys, come on. Ten grand to win. Get your butt out there. Support that show because it's a great racetrack. They got new promoters in. Uh, I talked to Kent Arment. He's super excited about it because he actually is part of one. He's one of them promoters. I don't know if you guys knew that. He's one of the people oh, that's involved with the five. But uh, they, they want to put on a good show. And uh, I tell you, they get a good fan count. Great racing at the Brown County Speedway. So I, I tell you what, who's your pick? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go out on a limb here really quick. I'm picking Kent Arment. He's been tough. He's won two of the, the last two big shows out there. I'm taking our men to win. Puka, who do you got to win the Rumble? Well, like I said, Kreiderman was a guy that kind of used to go there and just, you know, get, write him the check. You know, I know Gelling won. Uh, I think Dwayne Mater won one in there one year. I am going to have to, well, Scott Ward. He's kind of the hot shoe out there right now. So maybe I'll go with Scott Ward. Um, uh, yeah, I'm going to go with Scott Ward. I think, he, he, like I said, he's kind of had the, he's got the horseshoe right now. He's carrying it. Bert, you want to make a pick? We're picking Western, well, guys. Bert, who are you my, taking? You guys kind of stole my thunder. I was going to say, I'm picking Kreiderman because he wins all the time. <laughs> he always wins the Rumble. Um, <laughs> I will pick Jimmy Mars if he goes there. Otherwise, I'll go with Pat Doerr. Oh, yeah, there's a good pick. And, and Ryan, yeah, I've been to the event. Like I said, fantastic drivers get there. 20 lap heats, you know, so, you know, you – you know, you've got some time to make it work and, and get in there. And, and I'm assuming it's, I haven't seen the numbers, but I'm assuming it's back to a thousand to start. So, yeah, I mean, I, I remember I was there like 2000, 2001, just on the Saturday. I mean, just absolutely packed. You could barely fit in the grandstands. And that was a night when Kreiderman came from 17th to win it. Lance was, I believe, second. So track there racing right on the bottom and right on the top. It was fantastic. I haven't been to the track much since then, but at least back then you could race kind of anywhere there at the Brown County Speedway. So best wishes to Terry and, and, and Kent and everybody involved out there in Aberdeen. All right, the Dakota Montour is going to be kicking off soon, Ryan. Yeah, that's another marquee event. Used to be with Soda, right? I remember Alan Olson heading west and running good out there. But the Dakota Mod Tour, they, they actually start out. They race Fargo, Jamestown, Minot, Will, Williston, Dickinson, and Mandan. Estevan, Saskatchewan is where they, I believe they started and ended. I thought they had a couple shows up there. 
usually have a great Canadian contingent of both drivers and fans come down to that deal, the border's closed, right? So now no Team Canada in that deal. That, that kind of sucks because that tour is great. But there is over 80 modifieds pre-entered for that deal already, including the 20RT, Ricky Thornton Jr., who's my oh. pick to win that whole deal. So excited to see some racing out there. Um, that's, a, that's a great, great event. It's historic. It's been going on for a long time. So it's good to see, good to see that still going strong. Well, we have time for one more. Bert, did you want to touch on the Hell Tour at all? Well, the Hell Tour uh, starts on Wednesday. Uh, I have the schedule in front of me here uh, at Brownstown Speedway in Indiana. And uh, I, I think, at least online from what I've seen, uh, some of the excitement of the Hell Tour is uh, Tyler Carpenter plans on following the Hell Tour this year. Of course, uh, he's famous for his uh, big victory at, in the Dome uh, in December. So that'll be interesting to see him follow it. Uh, if Bobby Pierce follows the whole tour, I'm picking him to win it. Uh, I did look at his schedule before the show, and he has a ton of the Hell Tour races on his schedule. I didn't look to see if he has every race on his schedule, uh, but he has a ton of them on there. So if he follows the entire tour, I'm picking Bobby Pierce. Ryan, who's your guy for the Hell Tour? Man, that, that's a good pick right there, Bobby Pierce. But, man, I, I don't know. Brian Shirley, could he turn things around? And, uh, you know, I think Brian Shirley could be a guy to watch. Typically speaking, those races have a little traction on the tracks, banging the cushion. I'm looking for Brian Shirley to turn things around and, and be the guy to beat on the Hell Tour. Okay, I'll go with Shannon Babb if he sticks with the Rocket. Not in the Bloomquist car. If he sticks with the Rocket. <laughs> <laughs> All right, fellas, that about wraps it up. Anything else? Uh, just prayers to Mark Godmeyer. He had a tough roll. You know, and the crazy thing is he rolled at Cedar Lake in a heat race. Really didn't look like a hard roll, but he landed kind of hard. I mean, we've seen some violent rollovers where they were just fine, but he had that back surgery. Um, speedy recover to him. Hopefully he can get back in the wheel, behind the wheel soon. Absolutely. Uh, well, actually, we heard one more. Bert, uh, Jimmy Johnson, NASCAR. Some, some yeah. news. Well, he tested uh, positive for COVID-19 uh, earlier last week, so uh, he missed the Brickyard 400, although it's called some, well, it's still the Brickyard 400, but it has some big sponsor name now. Uh, anyway, uh, he missed the race, uh, and, uh, you know, it's not surprising that a driver tested positive. I mean, I, I think as this goes along, you know, more athletes and, I mean, just more people in general are going to test positive. I mean, it's it's a virus that's working its way through society. I mean, it, that's what's going on. So, so yeah, he missed the race. Uh, we'll see if that uh, impacts his uh, quest for a championship because uh, if he doesn't win a race before uh, the championship, the, the final 10 races, then he's got to get in on points and missing a race, that's going to be difficult. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, uh, I just wanted to say real quick uh, a shout out here. Tom Nesbitt will be selling a, celebrating a birthday on Saturday, July 11th. So uh, my hero, Tom Nesbitt, just want to wish you a happy birthday. You will be some age. We won't say. <laughs> Older than 45, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> Older than 45, yeah. Hey, real quick before we jump off, I know, Bert, you mentioned you're going to where, – where did you say you're going to go? You're going to Plymouth or you're going to Seymour? Uh, Seymour, for sure. I'm uh, toying with going to Plymouth, uh, but I'm not sure yet. 
but definitely see you going racing this weekend couple tracks yeah, in your oh yeah, area thursday, thursday i'll be uh with you guys there in rapids and uh saturday i'm sure i'll be in hibbing so that that's kind of the tentative plan yeah it's gonna be hot up here so tell them to tell the water trucks to pump it up absolutely <laughs> they got new clay they've been there and mother nature helped it sounds like it rained up there a little bit today but uh finally will you be I've up here i said this a couple times i'm finally gonna make it to a race i will be up at the downlinger towards grand rapids speedway not sure if I'm going to stick around all weekend what I'm going to do. If I do, I'm going to go to Hibbing as well. But uh, looking forward to getting back to the racetrack. So um, I, I can't even tell you how excited I am to get back to the racetrack right now. Awesome. All right, guys. Well, then uh, that'll kind of wrap it up for us this week. Like I said, race fans, uh, you know, catch us here every week. You can catch us all on Facebook if you want to comment at Bert Lehman, at Ryan Ahill, and at Racer Puka. And, of course, we're right here. Uh, at the one to go show on Facebook. We also have a podcast, we have a YouTube channel and we have a TikTok account. So if you're on any of those, feel free to give us a thumbs up. And with that, get out there, be your dream. You're tuned to the one to go show. <laughs>